0: What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to Off The Chain, simply the best podcast in crypto. Let's kick this thing off. The following episode is part of the Off The Chain Automation series sponsored by IOTA. The goal of this special series is to explore the intersection of distributed ledger technology and automation, specifically around digital currencies, digital wallets, and machine-to-machine transactions. My core belief is that every stock, bond, currency, and commodity will eventually be digitized and distributed ledger technology will empower the full potential of automation to be realized. IOTA is the sponsor of the automation series. Their mission is to support the research and development of new distributed ledger technologies including IOTA Tangle. The IOTA Foundation encourages the education and adoption of distributed ledger technologies through the creation of ecosystems and the standardization of these new protocols. You can find out more about the automation series and IOTA in the show notes. All right, guys. Bang, bang. I'm here with David. Uh, I'm super excited to uh, have this conversation uh, as the next installment of the Automation Series. Um, they've made a, a few recent announcements that I think uh, will be fun to get into. So, David, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. Yeah, thanks for having me. For sure. Let's jump right into uh, your background um, and then kind of how, uh, how you um, got up with, uh, with IOTA and kind of where you guys are today.
1: Definitely. So, yeah, my interest in technology really started to blossom in my teens. Uh, I got really into the futurist uh, movement and artificial intelligence, etc., which was very nascent back in those days, kind of in the ice age of AI, I would say. Um, and this is where, I, well, Hal Finney, Wei Dai, and all those legends of crypto hung around in the same communities. And so naturally, the white paper of Bitcoin appeared there quite um, early on. And in the beginning, I wasn't too, too excited about it, just because I didn't really buy into the ideology that were surrounding it at the time. I felt it was too ideologically driven rather than technologically driven. But uh, back in 2012, I, I started to contemplate what you could actually do with this technology if you applied it to different sectors. And so I got really into it and they devoted pretty much uh my last seven eight years to this technology uh so then in 2013 i met my co-founders uh sergey van sergey popov and dominic shiner in this nxt project which was kind of blockchain 2.0 it was the first blockchain with proof of stake first blockchain with an asset exchange and voting and all of these kind of 2.0 functionalities but it still had the same limitations as regular blockchain ie bitcoin and litecoin at the time uh, so me and uh, Sergey and um, Dominic and the other Sergey uh, Popov, we decided to tackle this problem. And the reason we tackled this problem was because of this, this vision we had about the Internet of Things and how the machine-to-machine communication would require a new protocol layer, that ensures data integrity, as well as transactional settlements for incentivizing technological uh, resource uh, trade. And that was kind of the beginning of IOTA in 2014 and then announced in 2015.
0: Got it. And So what have you guys built so far, right? In terms of IOTA, I think a lot of people um, are kind of aware of it on the surface, but help us uh, understand what the technology that's been built um, and then we can get into today's announcement.
1: Yeah, sure. So IOTA, of course, we started with the white paper. Uh, we were really excited about this new approach where we used a directed acyclic graph rather than a linear block-after-block block architecture because what we saw with that is the promise of a truly scalable, decentralized, and fearless network. So that is what we began to build in 2015. And of course, since then, we have iterated and gone through several different phases of the technology and currently we are very happy where we are at because right now the um i I should probably provide a little more background there so iota promises to give a truly scalable ledger with no fees and of course that is a very very high (laughs) high task to achieve um so one of the things we had to do in the beginning just to get the network rolling was to implement this pseudo-centralized uh, coordinator, this special node that just issues milestones. So the network itself is completely decentralized, but there is this uh, quasi-centralized component called the coordinator. And right now we are getting rid of said coordinator, which is the project corticide. So this is the stage we are at right now. We have solved all the theoretical problems. It's being peer-reviewed, and we've already launched the Alphanet. So it's kind of in a very, very early stage of being deployed, and we are very happy about this because that's, so, of course, something we've worked towards ever since the beginning. For sure. And and so as you guys have built this, like,
0: what have been the technical challenges that you've had to overcome? Right, Because I think that a lot of people see uh, projects that get built and they kind of see the final result, but they don't actually see the technical obstacles uh, that had to be overcome. So what sticks out in your mind as the big ones that you
1: guys had to uh, had to deal with? A yeah, very good question. So uh, and I think you're very right that most people, they see a white paper or they see a basic description of a product or a project. And then they think, hey, this should work perfectly from the beginning. But that's, of course, not how cutting edge technology evolves. So we've had a lot of different things that we had to resolve. And what a lot of people may not understand is just how much theoretical work goes into a functional decentralized ledger that had to deal with consensus and so on and so forth. So one of the biggest things was indeed to figure out how can we actually achieve this without being susceptible to civil attacks where you can just fire up uh, these um, fake nodes and take over the network and do eclipse attacks, etc., that has taken a lot of work so we've employed a lot of mathematicians computer scientists etc to really flesh this out properly and i believe the the current Cordiside iota white paper is one of the absolute most comprehensive ones in the entire space and in terms of having a live network as you can imagine especially during the 2016 17 18 uh, boom of course that comes with a lot of um, responsibility. You have to keep the network going, even though you are deploying this experimental technology that you are iterating on constantly and improving, but you still have this obstacle of keeping it alive and secure. So we've had, of course, bugs we we had to flesh out. We had some design decision that we made in the beginning that we had to um, revert and so on and so forth. So, But to us, that's just that's just how innovation should be. It's kind of kind of this Darwinian process, and you have to adapt all the time and change the protocol, and eventually you end up with uh, uh, the fit uh, gene, so to
0: speak. For sure. And then talk a little bit about – you guys made a pretty big announcement today uh, with Eclipse, et cetera. So maybe talk a little bit about uh, that announcement and kind of why you guys are, uh, are spending time and resources on this and, and what that means for IOTA.
1: Definitely. So we're very, very excited about the uh, Tangle EE working group we're launching today together with the Eclipse Foundation in a partnership. And we're also, uh, of course, we have several companies, several academics or academia, I should say, as well as startups that are co-founding this Tangle EE working group. For us as the IOTA Foundation, this really represents what we are all about. We don't care about ideology. We don't care about hype. We don't care about none of that. What we truly care about is this path towards production readiness and standardization. And of course, Eclipse being one of the biggest open source organizations in the world, um, they've established plenty of uh, products and projects that are being or have been widely adopted and used for two decades now or more. That is for us a very important step to take because one thing is to develop this in-house in your own foundation, but it's a whole other thing to get other companies, academics and open source organizations to actually buy into that vision and participate in creating that software going forward. So now what we're doing with the Tangly Working Group is gather all these companies and uh, academic institutions to develop solutions on top of it, which then kind of become blueprints for... These different industrial verticals that these companies exist in. So yeah, for us, this is a very, very major, major um, achievement. Got it.
0: And, and maybe explain a little bit more about kind of the importance of those that open source uh, component and and why you guys um, thought that this was the best path.
1: Yeah. So. Ever since the beginning, when we, we uh, set the IOTA Foundation, we decided, let's set it up in Germany. And everyone was like, why the hell would you <laughs> want to set it up in Germany? It's pretty much the hardest thing you can do. It's like, why don't you go to Switzerland or Isle of Man or the Caribbean like everyone else? But we really insisted that if this is going to get global adoption, we really need to make sure that we can make it in the regulatory framework in one of the strictest regions in the world. And it's kind of the same philosophy that makes this Eclipse uh, partnership so valuable and important to us. It's one of the most um, trusted and important open source organizations in the world. They have a proven track record, hundreds of members, the biggest companies in the world. And so their, their open source governance model is extremely mature. And that is exactly what this kind of software needs to reach. Uh, global adoption and widespread usage, because of course everyone can issue open source software. Just create some code, put it on GitHub, give it an MIT license or whatever. But if you really want to do open source in the big, big way, the same way that Android was developed, for instance, you really need to do it with the proper governance structure and the experience that such a organizations as Eclipse. Brings to the table for sure,
0: and then you know one of the things in crypto, I think, is uh, a lot of people kind of announce these partnerships. um, We're literally today uh, there's a partnership that um, got announced, and all of a sudden everyone goes nuts. But really, it's just uh, a company basically saying, "Hey, uh, we're going to participate in some way with with that organization," Um, and so the substance doesn't really uh, kind of exist. For you guys, the partnership with Eclipse is a little bit different. Maybe talk a little bit about like in practice, what does this look like for uh, IOTA Foundation uh, for the developers and kind of how you guys will uh, work with the technology and the open source libraries, etc., uh, to actually implement um, a lot of these use cases or, or kind of uh, production ready products.
1: Yeah, for sure, you're completely right. It's this isn't this entire space has always been about associating your project with another more important project so you get the halo effect from it in iota we've always had a lot of big partnerships but for us is that's always been with the aim of getting it into the real world and that is precisely what this uh, partnership with eclipse has been about so this has evolved over the last two years and we have taken our time to make sure that everything is proper that we have the the buy-in from the right companies the, the buy-in from the right academic institutions as well as startups that really just want to Innovate on top of this. So for for me, this is uh, literally probably the biggest announcement to date because what it will mean in practice is that no longer is IOTA um, solely developed by the IOTA Foundation or community members. Now you actually have big conglomerates like Dell and SD Microelectronics who are developing on this with the intent of developing it into a product or implemented into their products and we also have the object management group as well as the industrial internet of things consortium uh, in this um, in this working group which means that once we have these things we can standardize them we can standardize the protocols that come out of this meaning other companies can come around and just pretty much copy paste without having to start from scratch so for me this is a this is a new chapter for the IOTA project because now it's no longer just in the hands of the founders and the tremendous team that we've built, but it's it's in the real world. It's being co-developed in the real world, as I think all open source software should be. For sure.
0: And then so g- give us an update in terms of uh, the IOTA foundation and kind of where you guys are today. And then maybe we can get into a number of the uh, the specific use cases or projects um, that, that are actually being built Uh, for for, um, those
1: use cases? So the IOTA Foundation today is almost 120 people full-time, spread across a lot of people. uh, And they are spread across 30 countries, so you can imagine the time zones. And it's a truly distributed project uh, in its very most literal sense. And we're very proud, of course, to have built this very solid foundation. And for us, the very good thing is that we have a really solid research team uh, plenty of professors in mathematics computer science and we have engineers all the way like very senior engineers to very young engineers junior engineers that really just want to get there um just experiment with everything and we also have a full competent media uh project uh, what should i call it uh a department in the foundation We've built this really solid foundation precisely because this is what we consider absolutely necessary. And at the moment, we feel we have pretty much all the different bases that you need in order to bring forth such a big vision to the world uh, within the IOTA Foundation. And yeah, we we have been very fortunate, unlike a lot of other projects that kind of went bust when the boom uh, went bust. So Yeah, I'm I'm just very happy about the current state of the IOTA Foundation uh, overall because we no longer – we're not desperately hiring anymore and we've kind of filtered out all of that. Now everything is focused, structured, and that has taken quite a lot of time as you can imagine. But we are one of the few projects that still stand and we are just growing stronger. So I'm very excited about that.
0: Yeah, and then – so you guys have 120 people. Like what are those people doing? Right. In terms of the, the breakdown of engineering versus operations or other things, like how do you think about the,
1: um, the the divvying up of the work, if you will? Yeah. So, of course, in its nature, we are primarily a research and development organization. So that is the bulk of our employees. But then you also have like when you grow to that scale, you also need to have HR because, of course, you're dealing with human beings. And you have to make sure everyone uh, has uh, their rights, like for leave and so on and so forth, even though you would pretty much want everyone to be automated and just code away 24 seven, all of these <laughs> things. You want some? <laughs> you, you just want machines all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so everyone at the IOTA Foundation is essentially working towards this automation goal, which will render the jobs uh, non-existent. <laughs> but uh, in reality, though, it's it's just it comes with the territory so even though it's the the overwhelming majority of the foundation is comprised of developers and researchers we also have hr and we have uh, social we have media uh, because you need to present this vision that is another thing that i think a lot of people don't get right even though there's a lot of hype in this space uh, which is bad, uh, it's very important to be able to communicate and convey your message in a way that appeals to others so the community grows, because at the end of the day, there is no successful open source communi- uh, project without the community. So we've hired... We, I can't even begin to uh, praise them enough, the graphic designers and the front-end developers. And that that, again, goes to adoption, because when you have good front-end developers and you create a proof of concept or a pilot project with another company and you make it really beautiful and really polished, they want to do more. So all of these people play a very important role in driving the adoption of the more uh, hardcore theoretical uh, underpinnings that lie beyond the uh, technology itself. Got it.
0: And and so... Let's talk about kind of the actual use cases that are being built out here with with some kind of concrete examples. What are some of the ones that you're most excited about, um, you know, through IOTA and then um, uh, with some of these partnerships or or, uh, other uh, folks you guys are working with?
1: Yeah, for sure. So one of the biggest ones is probably decentralized marketplaces. This is kind of one of the things that have always been uh, promised by distributed ledger technology but then hasn't really come to fruition so when i think about decentralized marketplaces i really i really mean truly autonomous decentralized marketplaces where actual machines can also issue orders for parts if they need repair or also more human-centric things like ordering an autonomous vehicle in the next few years um These things, in my opinion, should be completely automized and that requires this underlying um, trust layer. And that is exactly what the IOTA protocol brings. And that's one of the things we're focusing on in the Tangle EE working group. That is one of the two first projects we're launching. Uh, So if people want to check the first uh, product out, it's on industry.iota.org. You can already play around with this. This was made together with E-Class and... Uh, some other entities in Germany, and this is now just being expanded upon. Another very exciting thing that we are doing right now is the decentralized identity protocol. And this, again, goes back to truly true autonomy, I should say, because if these devices do not have an identifier, if they cannot have verified claims of what they are capable of doing, it's very hard to create an autonomous world. So that's another very important project. And again, it also has this human component. There are so many people in this world that are undocumented, that don't even have an identity. And we have been working with different um, nonprofit organizations across the world to test this out. So fleshing this out further as a technology is very exciting for us. And then, of course, uh, as you probably have um, seen before, the Jaguar Land Rover, the idea of cars paying for themselves, paying or being rewarded for detecting potholes, etc. That's all extremely exciting because it ties into kind of this autonomous city that we will all live in in the future. Um, So yeah, those are probably three of the most exciting ones that just come to my head right away. But we also have... Things in the supply chain, for instance, in Africa, um, solving some of the big problems with documentation there, because currently we're losing $4 trillion every year due to this kind of messy old system that we have in the supply chain across the globe. So if we could solve some of the most most troublesome problems there, that would be a great benefit to mankind. So yeah, those are just some of the very exciting ones, at least to me.
0: Sure. And and maybe describe a little more, go deeper on the um, this idea of the identifiers in an automated world, because I don't think that people have really kind of yeah. heard would talk about that uh, in detail.
1: Yeah. So people, I think people tend to think of machines as just kind of this inanimate, non-existent, not non-existent, but inanimate uh, object. It's just there and it has some function and that's it. But in an autonomous world, this device itself has to be It has to have its own autonomy. And that means it has to have its own identifier so that the rest of the other devices as well as humans can identify it and communicate with it, transact with it. But it also needs to have these uh, qualifications or these verified uh, claims about it. So for instance, if it's a sensor that is gathering a certain amount of data, you want to know that, okay, it has this much storage capability uh, it's not infected by viruses, so I can I can indeed receive data packets from it, and it's the, the that the data that it's gathering has been purchased by this and this entity for this and this price at an open data marketplace. So therefore, you need to be able to verify that that can't just be trusted. That needs to be verified in a distributed ledger that cannot be tampered with. So. Just like you need a driver's license, your ID to get into clubs, etc. Essentially, the devices need the same thing to prove that they are able to do what they are offering as a service to do. So, this is—I I believe that the identity of things is just as important as identity for uh, people in general to get a functioning economy and a functioning, truly connected, autonomous um, ecosystem. Got it. And and I guess really the
0: idea here is in that automated world, like what is the um, the security concerns around this identification? Right. So it's like identity can definitely help empower certain aspects of automation. But what about like the security side of this? And, and really, I'm coming at this somewhat uneducated in the sense of obviously identity is really important for humans uh, when it comes to security. Is that also true on the machine
1: side or, or not so much? No, it's it's. I would say it's probably more important because as we are entering this autonomous world, we truly entrust our lives, like everything, we are trusting to the machines. And so if they don't have the same or higher standards of security than human verification, then it's a very scary world we're starting to enter because soon, over the next decade, we will have complete autonomous fleets of vehicles. You do not want that to go crazy. You don't want crazy artificial intelligence on the loose. So you need this identity system also for databases. So, for instance, when a car is is using um, machine learning, they need data sets, and those data sets need to be verified And that's just essentially another identifier. And that needs to sit on top of a completely cryptographically secured distributed ledger that cannot be affected or tampered with in any way. And this it also goes for more mundane use cases like let's say insurance. It it's increasingly becoming um automized through Internet of Things. But there's of course this huge incentive from both parties, both from the insurer as well as the insured, to tamper with the data in their favor. So here again, you really need these sensors that are providing the data that you're acting upon to both be, um, of course, secure in their hardware, but also in the software side, which is where the IOTA protocol comes in. But we are also working, as the IOTA Foundation, we're also working on the hardware component. We really need to solve this problem as well. Otherwise, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be not not the most optimal world. For sure. And then um, in, in terms of the IOTA
0: EE working group, talk a little bit about like what exactly yeah. that is because I think people will start to see um, that written uh, in more places – um, but yeah. but maybe
1: describe a little bit about what that is and, and kind of how the Eclipse partnership plays into that. Yeah, for sure. So Tangle EE, the EE st- stands for Enterprise Edition, which kind of sums up the goal of it is to bring uh, IOTA to enterprise solution and production readiness. And the, the working group itself is um, is co-founded by 15 members, different companies and academic institutions, where the sole goal is to provide these blueprints for distributed uh, identity for um, uh, decentralized marketplaces, which includes the data marketplace as well as uh, autonomous vehicles, etc., cetera. And the entire working group is focused solely on all of these entities coming together, providing their input and coming to a consensus on how this software should look, how it interoperates with the Tangle, which is the IOTA ledger, and then standardizing that through the object management group. Yeah, that's that's the role that it plays. But we also believe that it also kind of sets forth this whole vision of a truly um, backed decentralized ledger because we already have Hyperledger with Linux. Yep. And IOTA Foundation is also collaborating with um, with uh, the Linux Foundation and Hyperledger. We've just built a bridge to Hyperledger, but we see Hyperledger more like the intranet versus uh, IOTA, which is the internet. And Eclipse is to IOTA what... Linux Foundation, essentially, is to Hyperledger. And that's what this working group is really all about. Got it.
0: And, and so how does that play into kind of your future uh, development plans and uh, the IOTA fan, uh, foundation plans?
1: Yeah, so uh, our next goal is definitely uh, the core side, which is kind of IOTA 2.0, if you want to call it that. Uh, that's at least what we are calling it, so you're free to call it that. Uh, for us, that is the true version of IOTA that we set forth all those years ago, where you no longer have any fees on transactions, you no longer have any kind of centralization around mining pools or staking pools, because at the end of the day, these are really comprised of oligopolies. It's not really decentralized, it's quasi-centralized. Um, and also, it's scalable. So you don't need this to be on a off-chain ledger um, you don't need this to be like a layer two solution. We truly believe that we can bring scalability on layer one. And that's what we're doing through Cordiside, And that's exactly what we're developing right now. Just a week ago, we launched the first very early 0.1 alpha version of this, which is called Go Shimmer. So people can check that out and play with it already. Uh, and this is pretty much what 2020 is all about for the Oda Foundation to really bring this to life. Um, We also have this intermediary period where we are releasing something called Chrysalis, which is IOTA 1.5, where we are changing some of the things, optimizing some of the things that we've learned from Cordicide, but still containing or retaining the coordinator. But it will increase the uh, transaction throughput to hundreds and hundreds of DPS and be much, much more optimal for Internet of Things devices. So this is kind of the intermediary stage, and then we go to quarter side. And then from there on, we go into what we call slicing, which is a form of sharding. But it's not really the same as the projects that use the term sharding. So we call it slicing. Um, and yeah. What, what are the main differences there between slicing and sharding? So the main differences go back to how the tangle is, a directed acyclic graph rather than a blockchain. So it's, it's just kind of this different way of approaching the concept of clustering different um, uh, different slices of the networks. So you can have, for instance, you can have a slice in Berlin and you can have a slice in San Francisco and they will be essentially, both of them will be operating at their maximum capacity. So the whole global network can have hundreds of thousands, if not even more transactions per second going through them without you having to check the whole global ledger. At, uh, if you're in Berlin, you don't really care about what is happening in San Francisco unless you are transacting with uh, San Francisco. Got it. And, and so when like, what is the impact
0: of being able to do that? Is it a similar impact uh, to sharding or, or other methods, but it's just a different way of doing it? Or do you think that you can actually drive a, a different
1: impact? Very good question. I would say, of course, I'm biased, but I would say that the tangle itself, due to its nature, is a lot more friendly to sharding, I would say, because, you know, blockchain is kind of very built around this rigid structure, this artificial structure, I would say, where you need to have block after block after block, and then you add these layers, and you try to make sharding work somehow, but you're still working within this very uh, constrained structure. parameters whereas the tangle is much more malleable by nature so pretty much everyone working in the in the um cordiside project and beyond they see tangle as way more optimized for sharding or slicing as we call it got it that uh, that makes sense um
0: and, and so once that gets uh implemented kind of what what would be next uh for you guys
1: Yeah, so the next will of course, we will continue to develop. We are working on smart contracts. We are exploring this WebAssembly approach, which is kind of becoming the consensus, I think, around all smart contract platforms, as well as the future of the web. So we have this project called WASP, uh, because we kind of use, we use B and Hornet and all of these names. So we decided to just call it WASP instead of WASM, which is uh, the official name for a WebAssembly. So in this project, we are bringing smart contracts to the IOTA project. We're bringing oracles to, this, uh, to IOTA, all of these 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, whatever you want to call it, uh, features. So that will be very exciting and open up completely new possibilities and doors for the project itself. And the foundation will just continue to push for adoption and standardization across the globe. That is really our primary motive, and continue to increase the uh, relationships that we have with academic institutions and companies to really converge in this Tangle EE working group. Got it. That uh, that, that makes sense.
0: And then in terms of um, the current state of crypto outside of iota, like what are you paying attention to there, um, and, and what are you kind of excited about?
1: So I'm very I'm very excited about the current state of crypto. Uh, I believe that we have proven as a community as a as a whole community the entire crypto community that this technology is not going anywhere that the boom of 2017 the bubble there it wasn't it wasn't all bullshit although there was a lot of bullshit there Uh, and i believe that in crypto right now we are entering a new era where only the serious projects really matter of course there's still some nonsense going around and there will forever be. But at least from the perspective that I'm seeing in terms of talking with corporates and talking with open source organizations, it has entered just a completely new realm of being taken very, very seriously. And one of the most interesting things for me is to see that these corporates are actually asking for decentralization. Whereas back in 2016, 17, 18, it seemed like permission ledgers were going to win, so to speak, at least in the, in the uh, enterprise world. But we are actually seeing the opposite. We're seeing companies and organizations come to us and say, we do not want to rely on a permission ledger. We don't want to be in this kind of oligopoly. We want true decentralization. We want the internet equivalent of, of DLT. And, to me, that is very exciting. And in terms of what I'm paying attention to in the crypto sphere itself, I I try to keep up with all the different projects. And of course, there's a lot of exciting research being done. And that's what I'm paying most attention to. Of course, as you can imagine, I don't hold any other token than IOTA. So I don't really worry too much about the price of other tokens or how well that particular project is doing. But I always pay attention to the ideas and uh, And solutions, because there's a lot of brilliant people in the crypto space. And even though it's often very tribalistic, I try to see beyond that and just look at what is the best ideas. And maybe we can be inspired by some of the other projects and maybe they are inspired by some of uh, our work. And that's how open source should be. For sure. And and
0: so as you think about, you know, what's to come in uh, in the crypto industry, uh, what are the things that maybe haven't happened yet, but you're like, look, if you know A, B, or C occurs, those will be massive inflection points for uh, for the industry as a whole, and kind of all boats rise together.
1: Yeah, very, very good question. I would say that achieving standardization is one of those things because even though enterprises and, and companies have shown and continue to show this deep interest for the technology, it's still such a hassle to build products from scratch because you have to you have to hire specialized engineers, you have to start from scratch, you have to give them a budget of over like one and a half or two years to develop just just simple prototypes. But when you have standardization, you cut down the development costs so immensely that you remove the barrier uh, for entry. And I think at that point we will suddenly see this explosion of adoption. And at that point no one can deny crypto anymore. And I believe that cryptocurrency itself, actual transactional value being settled on the ledger is something we will start to see really happening outside of just the sphere, And that's what you're seeing with, for instance, the Jaguar Land Rover project um, that we are doing, or they are doing with the IOTA technology, where they are actually communicating and working on this, that these payments happen with the actual cryptocurrency, not with some fiat uh, IOU token. do you think that standardization helps
0: the startups more or kind of the incumbent large companies
1: uh, i would say both because of course as a startup you have very constrained resources so if you have this idea that you want to build on top of a uh, of a distributed ledger then having that all of that pre-work done and just being able to focus on your solution that is priceless it's 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 going to it, it kind of levels the playing field so to speak because of course these big conglomer, conglomerates even though they don't like spending the money on starting from scratch they have the luxury of being able to do so whereas startups don't have that luxury so with standardization i believe that the play uh, the playing field has been leveled and now just like with uh, the internet everyone can participate and the best solutions or the best services end up winning.
0: Got it. That uh, that, that makes sense. Um, awesome. Where can people find out more information about uh, IOTA um, and then also contact you if, if as they're listening to this, they've got questions or, or want to uh, have a conversation?
1: Yeah, for sure. So if, uh, if they want to learn more about the IOTA project, go to iota.org. And if you want to learn more about specifically the Tangle EE working group, go to tangle.ee. And if you want to contact me specifically, you can do so at uh, David at IOTA.org or Twitter slash David Sunstebu. I doubt anyone will be able to guess the spelling, but you will find me if you Google me.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it.
1: Before I wrap up,
0: I always ask rapid fire questions. Uh, What do you think is the most important company in crypto
1: outside of IOTA? Very good question. Um, I would say one of the most important uh, companies is probably DCG, which is kind of like a holding group for 130 or some different companies because they have this diversified portfolio, but still it seems they are working in synergy. And I believe that is very important. So I would say that is undoubtedly one of the most important companies. And if I can add another one, I would say perhaps at least from our perspective, st microelectronics because it's not a crypto startup or a crypto company it's an established semiconductor but they are very uh, it seems they are very committed to distributed ledger technology and the, i believe that will accelerate adoption tremendously especially within the realm of automation and internet of things
0: got it what uh, what's the one um regulation
1: or law that you would change or improve if you could Oh, that's a very good question again. Um, I think that pretty much all the regulations that have been made regarding crypto so far have been reactionary, not proactive, not being led by the industry itself. That has to change. And that's why we were uh, part of co-founding Inatpa with the European Commission to really try to influence that discussion. Uh, If I had to select one single thing, it would probably have to do with somewhat stricter regulation on scams I just absolutely cannot stand how much money these different shit projects have been able to get away with (laughs) so yeah I would actually ask for stricter regulations because yeah again we've been through it and we are we committed ourselves to it so i like to hold people to that standard for sure what's the uh, most controversial thought you have in crypto it's like the one thing you
0: believe that uh, other people will disagree with you on
1: yeah so this is easy but it's definitely controversial and that is that regular blockchain architecture will never work and by that i mean the current incarnations of blockchains all of them won't work the fees are too high the bottlenecks are too tight the centralization is scandalous i don't even like to discuss like i don't even like to say that there these most of these live blockchain networks are decentralized because they're not they are oligopolies of miners or stakers so that is probably controversial but it's also factual so that's just my opinion so i don't think they, I, I think they will have to adapt a lot, if they are going to be around the next decade.
0: What um, what's the most important book you've ever read?
1: I keep changing uh, when I think about that. Uh, <laughs> today, I would today I would probably say the collections of uh, Sinisa uh, the 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 Roman philosopher, uh, Stoic philosopher. I've been reading, I'm rereading reading uh, his different uh, thesis and yeah, anyone that that want peace of mind. I recommend reading some of the ancient wisdom there. It and I'm really excited about it because today in our age we can really see that some of the mindsets and the principles and the philosophy of that age actually seems to work very well with our neuroscience and what we're finding. So that is, that has always influenced me quite a lot. So I will say that today. All right that that sounds good. What about aliens? Believer or non-believer? Uh, I. I'm a pragmatist, so I think of it as this. I think the most plausible um, theory of our universe is inflation, i.e. eternal inflation. And that means aliens by default exist statistically. I do not believe in alien-like Area 51. Why not? Just because of uh, the laws of physics again. Um, The speed of light, you can't beat it unless they figure out some kind of wormhole, loophole. Um, and of course, that I'm, I'm not going to rule it out entirely, but just realistically, personally, I don't believe it. I love it. I love the contrarian thought. You know that I'm a believer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what one uh, what, what do you have for, for sure. me
1: to uh, to wrap this up? Uh, one question yeah. for you. Yeah. So I would ask you, how do you how do you see distributed ledger technology play into uh, the Internet of Things and uh, Autonomous Era we're entering.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I've I said a lot. Like my whole view on this is uh, this idea of triple entry accounting, right? So if you go back in history, pre-1400s, you've got single entry accounting around the 1400s. Um, the idea of double entry accounting becomes popular. Uh, and then um, with the invention of triple entry accounting, now all of a sudden you are – adding connectivity to balance sheets. Right. Um, and to me like that drastically yeah. increases human production and potential. Um, and so when that occurs, uh, what you get is a world that unlocks a lot of, uh, automation and the way that I always talk about it is I say for the true value of automation to be realized, you need two things. You need the application of triple entry accounting, um, or kind of automated accounting, and then you need uh, digitally native assets. Right. And so I think that those two things um, are kind of the crux of what uh, crypto is about. And part of what is so exciting about it is you have all these different entrepreneurial and uh, kind of innovation driven teams that are, um, you know, working uh, while competitive on a micro level, on a macro level. They're working together to kind of usher that world in. Um, And so it gives me great confidence that we're going to get there. Um, It's just a matter of time. Um, And so the more smart people we can uh, get working on this stuff and kind of experimenting, uh, I think it's a net positive for kind of
1: where we're all trying to go. (laughs) I completely (laughs) concur with you, 100%. 100%. And I, I really like the fact that you've thought through this topic on a much deeper level than I think a lot of people have. So I very much commend you for that. And I think our visions are quite aligned even though we may diverge on Bitcoin itself at least the vision is uh, seemingly aligned.
0: Absolutely, I, I think that's what makes this so much fun. So, well look, David, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to do this. I know you guys are having a big day today with the announcement uh, and everything like that. So, so I really appreciate the, uh, the time that you took. Um, and then we will, uh, we'll have to do this again as you guys kind of continue building um, and, and moving towards that vision.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, thanks for having me. Been a pleasure, always.
0: Hey everyone, Pop here.